Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Julie R. and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, October 3rd, the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting. Today we are reading from the big book and we are on page 129, which is, though the family does not fully agree, reading through three paragraphs, ending with making a better practical use of it. Comments will be on all. Today's readers are Maura Z, Susan H, and Jen A. The share ID for Tuesday, October 2nd, the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting is 11,984. For the 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting, it's 11,986. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask, Cordelia W. to read the 12 steps. Good morning. This is Cordelia W. from Florida, the 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except one to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. Thank you, Cordelia W. I will now ask Naomi B. to read the 12 traditions. Thank you, Julie. Thank you for your service. Good morning, family. This is Naomi B., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater outside Philadelphia. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, 
for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted service. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. These problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight. Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issue, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communications. Twelve, anonymity is is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. Thank you, Naomi B. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery, described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share. But we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 129, starting with the third paragraph, Though the family does not fully agree, reading through three paragraphs, ending with making a better practical use of it, and comments will be on all. I will now ask Maura Z to begin reading. Maura, can't hear you. Star one. That would uh, help if I unmuted. Sorry about that. Thank you, Julie. Maura Z recovered, gratefully so, in Virginia. Though the family does not fully agree with dad's spiritual activities, they should let him have his head. Even if he displays a certain amount of neglect and irresponsibility towards the family, it is well to let him go as far as he likes in helping other alcoholics during those first few days of convalescence. This will do more to ensure his sobriety than anything else. Though some of his manifestations are alarming, and disagreeable, we think Dad will be on a firmer foundation than the man who is placing business or professional success ahead of spiritual development. He will be less likely to drink again, and anything is preferable to that. Those of us who have spent much time in the world of spiritual make-believe have eventually seen the childishness of it. 
This dream world has been replaced by a great sense of purpose, accompanied by a growing consciousness of the power of God in our lives. We have come to believe he would like us to keep our heads in the clouds with him, but that our feet ought to be firmly planted on earth. That is where our fellow travelers are, and that is where our work must be done. These are the realities for us. We have found nothing incompatible between a powerful spiritual experience and a life of sane and happy usefulness. One more suggestion. Whether the family has spiritual convictions or not, they may do well to examine the principles by which the alcoholic member is trying to live. They can hardly fail to approve these simple principles, though the head of the house still fails somewhat in practicing them. Nothing will help the man who is off on a spiritual tangent so much as the wife who adopts a sane spiritual program, making better practical use of it. And uh, Julie, I neglected to set a timer, so if you could mm-hmm. cover me on that. Thank you, dear. Appreciate it. So the one point that really stands out to me amidst these three paragraphs It's in the second paragraph, and it reminds us that while we are doing this work, while we are living this life, um, and I am living this life, um, because before program it was a miserable existence, if that. So I am now living this life, and the best way for me to do that is to maintain my conscious contact with my God of my understanding. And, and I do that daily, um, sometimes minute by minute. And it's incredible to know that while I'm, my head is in the clouds with God, I am surrounded by gods with skin and humanity and all of our foul, foibles and fallacies and such. There is, there is great comfort in having come to know God in my life and the peace that comes with it. And as I am still a human being and haven't risen above that, as one of our fellows likes to remind us, um, it's important for me to have people in my life and especially people who are living a life similar to mine, living a recovered life, living, um, trying, to be, trying to get to be recovered, people working a 12-step program, that of OA. Um, it is incredibly important, incredibly important for me to realize now that where before program, I thought I was being, you know, Miss Mary Sunshine and being helpful to everybody, you know, by doing service and all of their stuff. Before program, it wasn't doing service. It was martyring myself. It was people-pleasing. And now, now there's nothing better than we have found nothing incompatible between a powerful spiritual experience and a life of sane and happy usefulness. And you may recognize that last phrase as being part of the reading just for today. Because now when I do service, now I'm being useful to another human being. 
to the best of my ability. Um, and, um, you know, a sane spiritual program, just having God in my life is a miracle. And thank you and grateful and gratitude seem very small words for what I would love to express as my gratitude for having God in my life and for knowing all of you. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Maura Z. Okay, just to remind everybody that we are on page 129, starting with the third paragraph, though the family does not fully agree, reading through three paragraphs, ending with making a better practical use of it. And who would like to share? Katie G. from Boston. Katie G. I'm sure there's more people out there. I want to share. Melissa C. Melissa C. Great time for the new people I haven't shared before. Who would like to share? Sandy S. from Asheville. Sandy S. And who was after Sandy? Kathy C. Kathy C. Sandy. I have you, Sandy. I have Katie, Melissa, Sandy, and Kathy. Take two more. Hmm. All right. Well, we'll start with these four. Katie G, Melissa C, Sandy S, and Kathy C. Go ahead, Katie. Hi, Julie. Good morning, my fellows. Katie G, recovered in Boston, and um, I love this line <laughs> about spiritual make-believe, and um, when I first came into the rooms and then started, you know, um, a program of recovery, um, I got into a typical size body as defined by my doctor, and I just thought I had arrived, you know, and for me, the spiritual make-believe was like, okay, so I have done my due diligence, God. It's been hard. I got through my childhood. I got through this part. And now I'm done. I'm done with life. And if you really are God, then let's be done. Let's be done with hardships. Let's be done with tragedy. Let's be done with life. Because I don't want headaches. I don't want um, I don't want pain. I don't want to suffer because I'm in recovery now, don't you know? So this big book is going to protect me, right? And um, when I um, was going through uh, medical treatment for the first time a couple years ago, um, I really came face to face with this truth. Um, being, you know, and my sponsor said to me, you know, you got to get a new God, Katie. You got to get a God that's going to be here for you, that you can turn to during this time of pain, and um, and that also, you know, again, that my spirituality. I mean, I adore my quiet time with God. That is really wonderful. And what it allows me to do is keep my feet on the earth, which is where, like, the manifestation of my quiet time should be practiced, right? Like, compassion, love, patience, those become my realities, and my spiritual experience becomes being able to relate to God's kids, right? Because I did not grow up relating to God's kids. I grew up relating to anorexia and bulimia and binging and purging 
and hostage taking and um, any other, you know, extreme examples of relationships. And now with God, you know, I can earnestly pray for the right ideal guidance in each questionable situation, sanity and the strength to do the right thing. And I get to practice the presence of God and remember that, oh, that beautiful promise deep down in every man, woman, and child is the fundamental idea of God. So God is not, for me anymore, this airy-fairy thing, Disneyland, whatever. God is inside of you. And can I find the God inside of you and honor that and, and treat you like one of God's kids? Can I become one among many? Can, my t- can I take my seat? So, so many beautiful lessons to learn today, and I'm grateful to continue learning with that I pass. Thank you, Katie G. Melissa C., followed by Sandy S., and then Kathy C. Hi, good morning. Thank you, Julie, for your service. It's Melissa C., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New York. And, um, yeah, I was thinking about, like, you know, the head in the clouds kind of thing and my feet being on the ground. And, you know, how in, yeah, in my early um, state of recovered, um, I felt, yeah, like I had definitely arrived and almost intoxicated with this. It was like an outer body experience, like, oh, my God, everything suddenly made sense. Like, it suddenly clicked for me um, why I was eating the way that I had eaten and why I no longer needed to do that. And and I just wanted everybody in my family to get on board with this spiritual thing at, that I had. And, you know, and so – um, you know, to get on a meeting, my door would be locked and, and, you know, no, I, I'm not available to anybody and, um, leave me alone because I'm meditating, you know, don't you know, it's gotta be really quiet for me. And, and I could scream and yell at everybody like, get quiet. I'm trying to medicate. Um, and really my most important work is my feet on the groundwork. Like, you know, so my kids, if they come in in the morning and I want to quietly meditate, well, Sometimes it means like, no, like listen to your kids. That's that's the important work today. And, you know, some of the most spiritual activities I do, um, this is going to sound really awful, is like cleaning the toilet, you know, like <laughs> my feet are on the ground. Like if I'm talking about being other-centered and I'm grumbling in my head, well, am I the only one that has to do this? I'm not really putting others before me. You know, I, I show up. Thank you, God, I have a relationship with a higher power that I can think about things, you know, and be in the clouds in my head. And yet my feet on a day-to-day basis are doing the work. Um, and I think that really speaks volumes to the spiritual life that I want my family to jump on board with. Um, thank you. Thank you, Melissa C. Sandy S. followed by Kathy C. Hi, this is Sandy S. from Asheville. And I've always struggled with a higher power. You know, that's really where um, step two is definitely the step that I really need the most help with. And what helps me is recalling the spiritual experiences I had. You know, one, the spiritual experience that I had becoming abstinent. Definitely it was a monumental thing of experiencing light and love and I've had that several times before Um, you know not that often but later on and yet even though I've had these experiences for some reason 
I just don't trust that there's a God that's going to take care of me with problems that are, you know, that, that I'm powerless over. But this is where the feet on the ground come in because I am willing to believe. I'm open to believe. But the one thing I have a choice about is what I'm going to do with my feet on the ground. So, you know, each day I really do my absolute best to work this program because I have experienced, you know, a personality transformation where I'm really uh, not only dedicated to my recovery, but the next most important thing in my life is truly loving my husband. You know, that's where it's at for me. And what does it mean in each minute to truly love my husband? I will tell you what it means is to totally accept him as is, not having to control him and really just asking God each day to show me how I could value, love, and support him because he is God's gift to me. I know that. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sandy S. And Kathy C., you're next. Start one to unmute, Kathy. Thank you. Sorry, I was muted. Hi, everybody. My name is Kathy C., and I am from Montreal, Canada. Um, I haven't shared in a in a uh, in a long time, a few years, but I'm always on the lines. Um, um, lately, I have been um, I have been I had been struggling not so much with with um, the food, but really the uh, the uh, spiritual part, which is everything I've come to realize lately it is everything um you know and um if i don't live with god you know if i'm not consciously living with god well then i'm i'm in a hellish uh place um so i've um i've come to realize uh, again that um if i don't stay connected if i don't rely or really do god's will um, I'm really of no use. Um, I uh, I feel affected by the people around me, and I affect them, and that's the part that really, really um, you know hurts. That's where the suffering is. Um, there's no harmony, or 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 in my head, I'm stuck in my head with that. Um, you know, and the, the sentence that. Um, that stands out here. It says, we have found nothing incompatible between a powerful spiritual experience and the life of sane and happy usefulness. So that's what I want, sane and happy usefulness. So the only way for me to, 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 to you know, to, to have that, to experience that is really, you know, to be God conscious because when I'm not God conscious, when I'm in self, right, when I'm having my, my vodka shot every day, like someone told me, you know, there's no happiness there. There's no happiness. I'm not using God. You know, I'm still using food a little bit, right? Just a little bit. It won't hurt me. It's okay. I've got this. I could control my weight and blah, blah, blah. That's not the truth. That's not the truth. You know, and that's what I have to, you know, see and do. I have to be grounded and honest and, and God will, will bring me there. So I'm doing this again. I'm doing the steps over. Um, you know, I want to be of use. I don't want to be selfish anymore. I don't. I want my family afterwards, right? I want my family to be healthy too and recovered too. But it starts with me. I have to change, you know, um, not others. 
anyhow, thank you for, for listening and letting me share, everybody. I always appreciate your uh, insights. Thank you, my pass. Thank you, Kathy C. And who else would like to share on the paragraph we read on the bottom of page 129? Though so the family does not fully agree through three paragraphs. This is Larry. Larry K. Hi, Larry. Okay, Larry. Leia S. Leia S. Anyone else? Susan H. Susan H. All right, well, let's start with these three Larry K., Leia S., and Susan H. Good morning, Julie. Good morning. Thank you so much for your service. Larry Kay recovered this morning. Um, you know, when 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 the engine light goes on, I didn't expect it to go on, and it's hard to keep my uh, my head in the stars, right? I've got to deal with the engine light. And that literally happened. You know, my daughter, the engine light comes on, and it doesn't come on at the right time. There's never a right time for the engine light to come on. It's always a little bit concerning because I don't know what it is. It may be a big nothing, but it's got to be checked out, right? It's got to be checked out. See, I keep my eyes in the stars at times, but I have to keep my feet on the ground. And when I keep my feet on the ground, I, I can let my heart soar as high as it will. And sometimes it'll soar very high. And I get to surrender sometimes to the chill of my spiritual environment, which is not always, you know, when the engine light goes on, the first thing I don't think about, or the first thing I think about is the engine light. I'm not thinking about uh, spiritual ideals and, and wonderful things. Things are going to happen in life, and they're not going to happen on my time. You know, and, you know, for me, land, you know, is the, you know, the secure ground of home and family, and and the sea, if you will, is like the, is like life, <laughs> and it's, and, and, and it's, it's unknown, and I don't know what's around the corner because I don't know, you know, the, uh, I'm not going to use any expletives. Sometimes I'd like to use an expletive, but I won't on this line. So we'll say the bleep storm, the bleep storm is either in my life today or it may very well be on its way. But I like to believe that, and I have seen in my experience by living these steps, that, you know, when the Cubs lose in the, and I'm not making a big deal about it, it's just a baseball game, right? But when the Cubs lose, in the 13th inning is a one-to-one tie, and it's, it's after midnight. What am I doing up? Not a big deal in the scheme of things, right? But I, it's disappointing. They're supposed to win because I want them to win. They're my team, right? I know there's a couple others on the line. It might be their team, and I know that's kind of a small thing. But, you know, Life is not going to happen. Life is going to happen on life's terms. And what these steps do for me, this way of life, this spiritual life, this alignment with my higher power, it does allow me to keep 
my eyes on the stars at times, but my feet firmly planted in the ground. And, and with that, I pass. Thanks so much. Thank you, Larry Kay. Uh, Leah S. followed by Susan H. Thank you so much, Julie. My name is Leah S., and I'm very grateful from Brooklyn. Um, okay, so we're reading about spirituality, and we're reading about um, the family, how um, how they're going to react, and, and, and how I, I myself, because I am putting myself as the dad, you know, the compulsive overeater. So um, the very first core of this whole thing, yes, I did have to go through cynical um, comments. I did have to go through both for myself and both me being cynical and also uh, sarcasm from, from my family. And what I learned right away in the beginning was that I had to have humility. I had to have authenticity and humility. Um, first, I needed to get very honest about everything and stop bragging about what I'm doing or what I'm not doing and how it's working or how it's not working. Because I realized once I started um, not talking so much about it, I was getting momentum over this. It wasn't something, it was something that, hey, there was like a, a certain... Um, uh, there was a certain feeling that was pulling me that I'm going to get there and I don't have to shout about it. And it's just, it, it, it permeated around me. It just sort of surrounded me. And and what happened uh, as a result was that people started noticing as well. And with that, I will pass. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Leah S. And Susan H., you're next. Hi, can you hear me? Yes. This is Susan H. from Ohio. I am a gratefully recovered compulsive overeater. Uh, in this reading, the dream world mentioned has been replaced by a sense of purpose and growing consciousness of my higher power. As it says in the book, I get nudges more is revealed, and I'm humbled and so grateful that all my real learning has been in higher power's time, not mine. Um, message of the day for me from this reading is trust. Trust my higher power in all things. His timing is perfect. So I sometimes still try to power my way through things in my time. <laughs> when I let go and let God, and keep my feet on the ground for family, friends, and fellows in program, then sane and happy usefulness awaits. Each day I do that, it benefits me in, in, in every way. So, yeah, I think I really understand the uh, head in the clouds and feet on the ground, and I'm so grateful that we studied this again. And I will pass with that. Thank you, Susan H. I'm going to sneak in real quick. Um, Julia, I recovered compulsive overeater. And, you know, my family has seen me go through so many things to get better, to get well. 
And it cracks me up because, you know, um, my husband too, you know, before we even had kids, I, you know, I, I wasn't back into my Native American, but I was searching. So I would drag him here, drag him there, go to a non-denominational, you know, place. And then I would go to a, a Buddhist place. And I mean, I was all over the gamut. And as my kids got older and I was still unrecovered, they would see me try something else. And they would say, oh, here goes mom. She found something else. And so, you know, they didn't take me serious when I really found um, back to my to my roots and they got to see time after time that my program, my spiritual set of, of principles, the steps were infiltrating my life and, and their life. So it, it, they don't, you know, every once in a while they'll, they'll make a joke, you know, but I mean, they understand the seriousness of, of my spiritual life. I have, you know, garden areas where there's uh, meditation items. I have altars. I, um, and they all see me go into the room with one of my sponsees call. And when I start to say the serenity prayer, just sometimes they'll just start saying it just to harass me, but they respect it. They know when the door is shut that I'm meditating and they won't go knock on the door because they've seen, they've seen the results. Now, my husband didn't have to follow me and, and do my spiritual practices. He has his own God. Um, but the, the fact is they've got to see me stay the course to, to be spiritually fit. Of course, I have to make an amends here and there because I'm not 100%. I'm human. But they get to see that, yes, mom is on a spiritual path. And they'll ask questions and stuff. They'll see me outside in, the, in my area with my drum. And they don't interrupt, but they'll watch. They'll watch me light the stage. They'll watch me go throughout the house and burn it. Um, they don't make fun of it because they see the results. And um, I don't have to have them walk my path. They have their own path, whatever that is. And, um, you know, we just get to do this every day. We get to be an example of our transformation. And, you know, when I stopped having to go make amends all the time, they came, my older son said to me the other day, you know, mom, I remember you were always saying sorry because of things you did and then you would just do it again. You don't do that anymore. And made me cry. So with that, I pass. So who would like to share on these paragraphs? Michelle F. from Worcester, Massachusetts. Michelle F. Jen A. Okay, before Jen A. Before Jen A, there was somebody from Chicago. Janie Z. Janie Z. Okay. And after Jen A, there was some uh, Stuart. That's what it was. Yes. Okay, let's go with, uh, let's take two more. Hi, can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Hi, Michelle F. uh, from Worcester, Massachusetts. Yes, that was Worcester, Massachusetts. Oh, we weren't quite. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me get, that's okay. Can we have two more people? Then we'll be ready for the live. Sorry about that. That's okay. Lisa J.R.? Lisa J.R.? Gina F. Gina F. Great. Gotcha. Okay. So it'll be Michelle F., Janie Z., 
Jen A, Stuart, uh, you'll have to give me your last initial when you talk, Lisa J.R., and Gina F. Go ahead, Michelle. Hi, uh, Michelle F., still compulsive overeater in Worcester, Massachusetts. Yes, at Worcester, Massachusetts. Julie, thank you for your service. I guess I really wanted to share. I was impatient. Um, yeah, I remember my first days of convalescence, and I didn't feel really very good. Um, so, you know, I when I read this or heard it being read, that's what I thought of is how nice and kind, especially my husband was, those first few, it was weeks of convalescence. I felt horrible. I, I probably the fog didn't lift for a good two months for me anyways. Um, and they didn't expect a whole lot from me. And um, they were very um, helpful. And then I got really obnoxious and spiritual and, you know, they made some good humor jokes, and then they started resenting it. And I, gratefully, I'm, I guess I'm able to see what's being put in front of me. Um, I was able to stop that. I still did try really hard to get the family to live by these principles. But, yes, I think being a new sample is the best way. And... Um, I, and also keeping an open mind because um, the most instruction I got spiritually at that time came from what they call the gods with skin on. Like my daughter said, Mama, sorry doesn't have but at the end of it. I'm sorry, but. You know, and I would try and explain myself. That was so difficult to do. And this is my teenage daughter telling me, Mom, that's not how you apologize. Or my husband saying, gee, honey, that was kind of harsh, you know, and realizing just how abrasive and judgmental I can be. Um, so I actually got my most spiritual instruction from them at the beginning. And now I try and just uh, model that behavior as best I can. And I would say um, I, I pitch for, for me, I, I grabbed the life preserver of this program, and like someone who doesn't know how to swim, I was flailing all over the place trying to do all the steps at the same time. However, uh, even though it looked ridiculous, I still feel like I benefited from trying to sponsor at that time. Uh, if anything, I was honest. It made me practice listening. Um, I didn't go very far with my sponsees, and I got fired numerous times, but I, I learned a lot, and it did make me feel very humble and grateful for the time that I had with them. Um, so, yes, a recovered person is going to have more to offer, but sometimes the best thing is just a listening ear and a sympathetic person who's been through what you've been through, you know, um, and uh Hi. oh I'm sorry. And with that I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Michelle F. Janie Z followed by Jen A and then Stewart. This is Janie Z from Chicago, compulsive reader, bulimic. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Okay. Um my family uh when are they're very spiritual people, but um, I know when I first came into the program, they looked at it like 
oh, no, what are you doing now? You know, because I had I had been, you know, in my entire life doing such crazy things that they looked at uh, what I was about to endeavor as one more crazy thing that Janie's doing and uh, how is this going to affect our life. Um, you know, what are you eating? What are you not eating? You know, and... Um, but as as I worked the program and they could see that I was changing, but one of the biggest things to them was that they saw I was losing weight. And to them, that was like, oh, this must be working, what she's doing. And she, but I was a more stable, peaceful person, and um, the first year that I was abstinent, um, things got better for me. Um, I've unfortunately been in relapse for a year and a half, and trying to, um, I've had more days abstinent than than. Uh, not abstinent, but unfortunately, I I have gained the weight back, and to see the disappointment in their eyes, and you know, questioning, um, you know, well, are you supposed to be eating that, or what are you eating now, and um, are you supposed to be eating that, or <laughs> kind of monitoring what. Uh, what I'm doing, and uh, it's it's hard for me to um, to not take on the responsibility of of their expectations of me or their disappointment in me, um, but this program is life-saving for me and I hang on to it and it is a spiritual uh, awakening for me that I I have learned so much. Fine. Thank you and I'll finish up and I'm so grateful to be a part of this program and with that I'll pass. Thank you, Janie Z. We have Jen A and then Stuart, Lisa J R and Gina F. Go ahead, Jen A. Good morning, Julie. Thank you for your service. This is Jen A, recovered compulsive overeater, anorexic and bulimic from the state of Colorado. Um, so this is this is awesome because this was totally me. Um, I remember, uh, you know, going into program and I was pretty quiet about it. I kind of still am quiet about it, even after a couple of years. Um, but at home, you know, my kids would, would really see it, um, you know, because I wasn't neglecting um, my responsibilities, my kids. Um, I wasn't being as as irresponsible, say that again, yeah, as irresponsible um, towards my duties um, with them. And, and, and there wasn't that, that constant chaos and conflict all the time. You know, for me, um, my kids labeled me as the mommy monster, um, and, and I remember, um, you know, religion to me, uh, most of my life growing up, 
um, was using God to make me happy. I always say, you know, um, God was my bitch, and, and I was using him on a daily basis. Um, today, however, in this practical program of action, um, I get to experience um, spiritual development, right, and the power of God in my life. Um, there's joy for me, right? I'm not trying to make me happy. Um, I'm experiencing joy um, as a result of this program. Um, spirituality is like flowing, flowing like a river in my life, right? And, and, and God is growing me and developing me. And um, for the first time in my life, I have a purpose. Um, and in your 40s, that's a pretty big deal, right? Like I finally have a purpose. Um, I'm going to practice every day to love others and serve others, especially at home. Um, right now, really struggling at work to do the same thing. I'm trying to practice um, these principles in all my affairs. Um, but when I do this, I can see that, like it says here, it's a life of sane and happy usefulness. Um, and, and that's beautiful. And I'll never forget when I sat at the kitchen table with my son and he goes, yeah, I'm so thankful that you're no longer a mommy monster and now you're Mama Gandhi. And I just laughed at him and I said, seriously, son? And he was like, yeah, Mama, it's pretty cool. And, um, you know, I just, you know, it, it says down here again, the wife who adopts a sane spiritual program. I'm watching my son adopt a sane spiritual program um, as a result of, of what I'm doing in my life and the steps that I'm taking and how God has rearranged me today. We talked about in an hour car ride the other day going to hike up an insane um, cliff in Colorado. Um, we talked about spirituality and I talked about how I do a four through seven or a 10 step with him on paper. You know, I talked about how I do it on paper. He's like, yeah, I kind of do that on note cards and da 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 da. And he just blew me out of the water. I was like, you do? Because I don't see that side of him, right? Just like he didn't see the spiritual development side of me, but I see it in his actions and he sees it in mine. And that's a beautiful thing. So, you know, now um, I used to go out and make a to-do list every day. And, um, you know, recently um, I heard from another fellow, I stole it from them, is that I just get to go out and make a to-be list. How would, have, how would God have me be today? And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Jen A. Next, we have Stuart. Uh, if you can give us your first initial, Lisa J.R. and Gina S. Uh, Stuart, star one. Hi, it's Stuart from Baton Rouge, Stuart S. Great. Thank you. Go ahead, Stuart. Um, thank you for your service. Uh, I am so grateful to be in this meeting this morning. It talks about a growing consciousness of the power of God in our lives, and that has certainly been true for me. I um, came into the program with a big resentment against my grandmother and the church of my upbringing, and talk of God really disturbed me. And I was fortunate to find a very loving sponsor who was very gentle with me when it came to um, step two. And step three, um, she did exactly what was described in uh, Bill's story where he says, uh, why don't you choose your own conception of God? She, uh, she said, why don't you make a list of all the things that you want your God to be? And I did. And she said, now draw a circle around that and let that be your God. 
And she said, if for any reason that God doesn't seem to work for you, you can borrow mine because he really works for me. And I was so grateful to hear that. And from that, I have developed a relationship with the God of my non-understanding, as I like to say, because I don't understand God, and I don't imagine that I'm ever going to understand God. But I accept that God works in my life and that um, if I'm living the best life that I can today, that he is going to um, bring good things into my life. That last line that we read, we found nothing incompatible with a powerful spiritual experience in a life of sane and happy usefulness. Um, made me think about um, in the forward to the 12 and 12 where it says AA's 12 steps are a group of principles spiritual in their nature which if practiced as a way of life can expel the obsession to drink and enable the sufferer to become happily and usefully whole and that is exactly what has happened and is happening for me and I'm very grateful um, for my recovery in the OA program and with that I'll pass thanks thank you stewardess uh, Lisa J.R. and Dina F. We have um, six minutes. So, oh, that's perfect. Three minutes each. Huh, go ahead. Go ahead, Lisa. Hi. Good morning. This is Lisa J.R. Thank you so much for your service. Gratefully recovered in Baltimore. Um, though some of his manifestations are alarming and disagreeable, we think Dad will be on a firmer foundation than the man who is placing business or professional success ahead of spiritual development. Wow. Um, well, when I came into the rooms, you know, that, that's the man of 30 right there, you know, um, work, work, work. Um, I'm just going to devote myself to work. And I've done my share of that, but my husband and I both came into the program with a very firm faith walk. Trouble was, my walk did not match my talk whenever I was angry um, or feeling threatened in any way. Um, I could get as, um, as unspiritual as anyone could be. Um, so once I started to do all this work and really get into to, uh, altering, you know, I had to find that, that sweet spot because I definitely uh, leaned too, too far to the side of, you know, doing too much. I was neglecting my husband terribly. But he knew, he saw that my, my walk and my talk started to come into alignment. I started to say, uh, I started to apologize and take ownership uh, when I was saying or doing the wrong, uh, the wrong thing. Um, you know, and I wasn't a right fighter. I didn't have to go down having to win every argument. Um, so he was, he was content to let me have my wings and see because he saw the difference in me immediately so for that matter did my coworkers. but i got to remember when i am working with people that people come in this program um they're very some of them are angry at their childhood faith some don't believe at all um you know and it's important for me to remember that they're going to find their way if they start applying these principles and this way of life to to everyday life, um, and they start doing this work, um, that it will come. You know, so many get discouraged because they don't feel that cold wind um, blow through them on a mountaintop. You know that Bill Wilson had, but you know more than likely. Um, 
you know, it's going to come slow. And it's, it's good for me to remember um, that there are, that is where our fellow travelers are, and that is where our work must be done. We must be grounded. So um, I, if I am, you know, so heavenly minded, I'm going to be no earthly good. And, you know, for me to show up for somebody, I have to remember and I have to just be an encouragement to them, those that don't have an idea of God, that it will come. It will come in time and just continue to encourage people to, you know, um, exercise that muscle and it will grow. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you so much, Lisa Jr. And Dina F., you are our last share. Good morning, everybody. This is Gina F., recovered in Connecticut. So happy to be here. So um, I remember when uh, the summer of 2017, um, when I was uh, getting clean and, and working the steps, my kids asked me, how come you're so angry all the time? And um, And it it really broke my heart and it, uh, you know, it, it kind of fueled that disease in my mind to think, oh, hey, hey, it's better when you're eating because you're not angry. <laughs> um, but thankfully, I didn't listen to my disease and, um, and kept working the steps. But I, I really had to lean so heavily on program at that time because um, my emotions were so, uh, so overpowering. So I just want to encourage anyone who's in that place right now who's thinking, you know, they feel so raw and uh, and that it was better when they were numb. Um, it's not because you do move through it. And, um, you know, it, it was hard for me, and it's still the hardest place to uh, practice the principles of the program are in my home with my husband and my kids. And, um, and a lot of that comes with uh, understanding that my spiritual practice is my foundation. When I back off on my spiritual connection, when I think, oh, things are good, I don't need to um, pray as long today, I don't need to, I can cut my meditation a little bit short, Um, then I start to get back into self-will, and my foundation crumbles. And any progress that I've made is going to go away because step one is embracing that I cannot change myself. I can't fix my my problems with my family and the way that I interact, it was, it blew my mind when I really did step four and realized how much I was to blame for the problems in my home. Um, as much as I would beat myself up after the fact, in the moment, I was always blaming other people. You know, it's my husband's fault that I'm this way. It's my kid's fault that I'm this way. Why me? Why me? Poor me. Um, so for me to accept my character defects and stop fighting them, allow myself to be changed. Um, And that only happens with a conscious contact with God, with an ever improving spiritual practice. Can't rest on my laurels. So um, it's just such a great reminder that, you know, the hardest place and the most important place to work on um, practicing my principles is in my home. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Gina F. It is now time to close our meeting, but the share ID for today, October 3rd, the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting, is 11,995. I'd like to thank everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer.
And will Susan H. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. This is Susan H. You gratefully recovered in Ohio. You're able to hear me, right? Yes. Okay. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. 